Peace, peace. We are back once again with Masterminds with Brother Shemel. I am your host, Brother Shemel. I'm glad to be back. And we are going to uh, get into a topic. It's a topic that I've, I've talked on uh, a number of times. Um, and I'll tell you which podcast episodes you can refer to. But I just want to put a new aspect on it. Um, just basically due to recent conversations and um, demonstrations, classes that I've had on the subject. So before I do so, as always, I want to thank you all for um, tuning in. I'd like to thank all of my supporters, people who have been supporting me from day one, uh, my recent supporters, and those who continue to support. Um, Yeah, just give out a shout out to all of the listeners from all over in the United States and abroad. Um, definitely getting good feedback from everybody on the um, on the podcast. So I always I'm humbled by the support. Um, definitely check me out. Check my out my website. That's sheml.com. That's S-H-E-M dot E-L dot com. Um, where you can check out my podcast. You can also get my books if you have not gotten my books, as well as other material as well. I also have some blog posts there uh, for you to check out. And um, be on the lookout. I have some new material cooking up very soon. Um, As I mentioned before, I will also be getting back into having guests on the show. I uh, just communicated with um, one of my potential guests. Uh, be on the lookout. It, just give you a hint. It will be a sister, the first sister that I, I had um, will have on on as a guest on my show. Uh, hopefully, look forward to having many more sisters on the show as well. So, for those who've been looking for that, um, just tune in, and you're in for a treat. So, with that. I will get into the the subject at hand and this is entitled Flesh of My Flesh kind of a ode to um, really a ode to uh, the late great DMX you know what I'm saying uh, rest in power DMX uh, definitely uh, artists who I enjoy trem- tremendously um bringing back memories of that second album he dropped I think that's when he dropped two albums in a year that's man there's nobody else who did it like DMX you know I'm not gonna get into a long tribute but and I usually don't you know really go into celebrities but because of the title I want to just mention that um pretty much there'll never be another DMX point blank period there's certain artists who um, a one of one and he's just that um, so that second album that he came out with um, off of Def Jam which was Flesh of My Flesh Blood of My Blood where it had a picture of him you know dripped in, in what looked to be like actual blood you know and that Christian programming made me said in the back of my head oh he's a uh, he is worshiping the devil. 
you know what I mean? So, <laughs> but uh, I knew better. But, uh, you know, some programs are hard to break. But nonetheless, neither, needless to say, uh, I'm going to first get into the origin of the actual uh, biblical origin of that term, flesh of my flesh. And it comes from the book of Genesis. And to be specific, Genesis chapter 2, verse 23, where it says the following. Um, you just go ahead here. I'd like to do that. Here we go. It says, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken. She was taken out of man. So, you know, the narrative that's given with this story, you know, supposedly um, God put Adam into a sleep, took one of his ribs and born woman right so if you take that from a literal if you really believe that literally then that's what it would mean to you but of course um as i mentioned in the last podcast episode that this is dealing with um there's different levels of interpretations different levels of reading specifically uh when you deal with the um the torah uh, specifically as prescribed by the in the kabbalah so we know from a actual scientific standpoint, it could not be true that the woman came out of man because you have something called mitochondria DNA. And the mitochondria DNA is, is a very important DNA genetic um, substance in the human being that can only be passed down from mother to child. There is no man who has passed down any of his mitochondria DNA to any human being on the planet. So, you know, you'll hear some people in certain circles say, you know, the woman is God and all that. Well, from a physical standpoint, you know, it could be said that the woman is indeed the creator. Um, by virtue of that because she makes up the primary um, physical she she makes up for the primary um, substance that is needed to formulate the child physically like there is no you cannot exist here physically without the woman you know um, not only that you cannot um, every woman knows when they give birth that that is their child that is mama's baby and daddy's maybe you know um, you know we want to get graphic if there was a promiscuous woman and she had several sexual partners and they all inseminated you know regardless of what child comes out you know that the, the woman is the mother of that child only in the except only with the exception of a surrogate mother, which is not a natural process, 
you know, would there be someone else involved in the aspect of making the um, the human being from that child? Um, and then it also could be said, you know, of course, on certain circles, on a on a higher metaphysical level, that the the spark of life um, is within the sperm itself. Talk about you know it channels up and get that charge from the crown chakra on, and it goes through the sperm. But even with that, if the woman doesn't accept it, even after the the man's ejaculation, even the woman's body does not accept it, there will be no child. So that is just what that is, and I'm I'm saying all this just to put this in the context. Of the of the very basic um, dispelling the 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 patriarchal um, perspective of the origin of human beings on the planet, you know that's put forth by the uh, Christian uh, interpretation, the the general Christian interpretation of the uh, the book of Genesis. So that said, you know, when we talk about the flesh, um, as I mentioned before, there are um, different types of flesh. Um, this is actually mentioned about within when you actually go into the um, the concept of a man, you know, of uh, in the New Testament when when Paul is speaking about, you know, the uh, the different types of flesh. So before I do that, before I get into all of that that part, I want to read from the Circle Seven, specifically Chapter Seventeen, and I will start from verse 35 and it says in flesh of man there is the essence of the resurrection of the dead this essence quickened by the holy breath will raise the substance of the body to higher tone and make it like the substance of the bodies of the planes above which human eyes cannot behold there is a holy ministry in death, the essence of the body cannot be quickened by the holy breath until the fixed is solved. The body must disintegrate, and this is death. And then upon these pliant substances, Allah breathes, just as he breathed upon the chaos of the deep when the worlds were formed. And life springs forth from death. The carnal form is changed to form divine. The will of man makes possible the action of the holy breath. When will of man and will of Allah are one, the resurrection is a fact. In this, we have the chemistry of mortal life, the ministry of death, the mystery of deific life. So I'll stop there. Um, 
as those of you who have been following my podcast know, uh, one of my early recordings um, was entitled, uh, I believe it was called the uh, Chemistry of Life, Ministry of Death. Um, so just to give the the context, and I spoke about it. Here it speaks about a chemistry of mortal life, a ministry of death, and the mystery of deific life. So you have that ministry of death is the transitioning or the middle point or the the segue between mortal life and deific life. It is what is needed for there to be the transformation and the transmutation from human flesh to flesh divine, from the carnal form to form divine. Right? So, as it mentions in the beginning of what I read, in the flesh of man is the essence of the resurrection of the dead. This essence, quickened by the holy breath, will raise the substance of the body to higher tone. That one verse is so powerful, many people don't even know how powerful it is. But we're going to explore that um, in this episode. Now, uh, what I want to do before I get into that is I want to refer to um, a book that I've referred to before, uh, as many of you know, called Bible Mysteries Revealed. Um, in which it speaks to this. So I'm just going to read some passages from here and, you know, kind of um, give context. So, and this is dealing with the passion play. You know, I talked about that passion play before. Okay. So I'll just start. Um, You have to be brave to face the truth. Jesus and Christ are both symbols. Let me repeat that again. Jesus and Christ are both symbols. Jesus is called the son of man and Christ is called the son of God. There is a reason in Christian symbology Jesus symbolizes the material man whom Paul calls the terrestrial man. And Christ symbolizes the spiritual man whom Paul calls the celestial man. Corinthians 15, 50. Now, just a side note. Corinthians 15 is where it says and where it speaks about there's different types of flesh. Thus, the title of this episode flesh of my flesh the celestial man is the only man there ever was right now what does this sound like this sounds like chapter one of the circle seven and before i continue on with the bible's mysteries let us let us go there chapter one the creation of fallen man Time never was when man was not. 
if life of man at any time began, a time would come when it would end. The thoughts of Allah cannot be circumscribed. No finite man can comprehend things infinite. All finite things are subject unto change. All finite things will cease to be because there was a time when they were not. The bodies and the souls of men are finite things, and they will change, yea, from the finite point of view, the time will come when they will be no more. But man himself is not the body, nor the soul. He is a spirit and a part of Allah. Creative fate gave to man, to spirit man, a soul that he might function on the plane of soul. Gave him a body of flesh that he might function on the plane of things made manifest. Why did creative fate give to spirit man a soul that he might function on the plane of soul? Why did creative fate give to soul a body of flesh that he might function on the plane of things that are made manifest? Hear now, ye cherubim, ye seraphim, ye angels, and ye men. Hear now, O protoplast, and earth, and plant, and beast. Hear now, ye creeping things of earth, fish that swim, Ye fish that swim, ye birds that fly. Hear now, ye winds that blow, ye thunders, and ye lightnings of the sky. Hear now, ye spirits of the fire, of water, earth, and air. Hear now, O everything that is, or was, or evermore will be. For wisdom speaks out of the highest plane of spirit life. Right? So it's very important to know that. And it says that creative faith gave to man a body that he might function on the plane of things made manifest. Now, here's an interesting thing. In that particular verse that I went into um, in Genesis chapter 22 verse 23 the Hebrew word for flesh is basar right Beth Sun Sin and Resh so that particular word that's used for flesh is which is Number 1320 in the Strong Concordance is also applied to bodies, man, mankind, meat, person, and lustful. So it also applies to that dealing with lust or carnal. Now, anyone who knows about what I mentioned in the book. For those who have the book, what is the devil sometimes called, right? In the very, in the early pages, when I speak about the actual um, term of the carnal self, 
on page 15, it asks the question, what is the carnal self, right? It says, the first definition of the lower self as described in the above passage. Well, let me, let's go to the above passage, which I read. I, I'll read the passage, which is actually uh, Circle 7, Chapter 3, verses 5 to 10. And I'll read that to give it context, and then I'll go into the question. There are two selves, the higher and the lower self. The higher self is human spirit clothed with soul, made in the form of Allah. The lower self, the carnal self, the body of desires, is a reflection of the higher self distorted by the murky ethers of the flesh. The lower self is an illusion and will pass away. The higher self is Allah in man and will not pass away. The higher self is the embodiment of truth. The lower self is truth reversed and so is falsehood manifest. The higher self is justice, mercy, love, and right. The lower self is what the higher self is not. Now, the first definition of the lower self as described by that passage is that it is the carnal self. So let's now define exactly what the carnal self is. What is the carnal self? The answer is the carnal self is that part of you that possesses something known as carnal knowledge. Carnal knowledge is an archaic, basically out of date or lawful um, euphemism for sexual consummation. So the expression comes from the biblical application of the verb knew, like uh, when it said Adam knew Eve and um, he knew his wife and such and such knew their, knew their wife. So that's the application in the King James Bible, which is a euphemism for sexual behavior. To know somebody have it is to be intimate with them sexually, right? Um, and that comes from Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, when it says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Right? So, without getting into deeper and deeper in that section, um, I just wanted to read that passage real quick to let you know that flesh, the carnal self, the flesh, murky ethers of the flesh is always um, has that connotation to lust sexual lust so that being said we're going to get more into the aspect of the different bodies but I want to jump back into Bible mysteries again so we can Uh, get clarification on this so in the Bible mysteries it says the physical body with the feet together and arms outstretched is the cross and is generally thought of as man right we cling to the cross hang on the cross or nail ourselves to the cross when we cling to the desires and pleasures we can get by using this material body 
with its wonderful list of sensations and joys. This body and everything connected with it in a material, sensual, animal way is what is called the veil. This is the veil that blinds us to the real, ideal, and spiritual. It causes us to think that this earthly body and earthly life is all there is. Paul said we get through a glass darkly. This veil is the illusion that was rent into in two from top to bottom when Jesus was crucified on the cross. He said, Father, let thy will be done. I give up using my own personal will. Then he could see the new Jerusalem, the celestial, in all its beauty and glory. Now, I'm going to stop. That's the end of that paragraph before I continue on. Now, in the the context of what we have in the questionnaire, in the Moore's questionnaire, there's some major keys that are used um, that this passage actually touch on. One is pertaining to the cross. It's very important. And I'm going to show you and also dealing with the question about Friday. Okay. So before I get into the question about Friday, let me get into the question about the cross. Okay. Before I, and to give it context, I'm going to have to literally, well, I, I can start from key 74. What did the higher self say to the lower self at one time when he met him? Where are you going, Satan? What was the highest? What was the answer that the lower self gave to the higher self? I am going to and fro the earth, seeking whom I may devour. Has he finished his task of devouring? Yes. When was his time declared out? When he nailed Jesus on the cross. What are the last words Jesus uttered? It is finished. What did he have reference to? He had reference to the end of Satan. Now, I'll stop there. So, it's basically telling you that the whole crucifixion story is an allegory to what the person has to go through dealing with their higher self and lower self. Right? The material body nailing Jesus on the cross. Now, take that take that in mind. Now, it goes further into here. I'm going to get into the other key as well. But let me read this in Bible Mysteries Revealed. It says, when Jesus or the terrestrial is killed or crucified, then the Christ or the celestial man can come forth. The Christ, son of God or celestial 
Man is the only man that ever was a spirit man. He is the prodigal son who took a trip to a far country who learned by painful experience that the terrestrial earthly material life is all ashes, vanity, and illusion. But it is a necessary school of experience. And once we get out of here, we will never take this trip again where every pleasure we try turn to pain and disappointment. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Galatians 3, 13. We hang on to a cross when we hang on to a body. And we'll get more to that into our second half. In key 22 of the Morris questionnaire, the question is asked, which is our holy day? The answer to that is Friday. In the following key, key 23, it says, why? The answer is because Friday is the day on which man was formed in flesh. And it was on Friday when he departed out of flesh. So there's a departing in flesh and there's a departing out of flesh. So when you read in the Bible, as mentioned in the book of um, Galatians, this is what it, it speaks to. So if you actually go into there, and I should say not Galatians, but Corinthians. So my apologies on making that error. If you go to the book of Corinthians, and specifically pertaining to the 15th chapter, you will see what I mean why it makes that statement. And I'll just go starting again from verse 35 of chapter 15 in 1 Corinthians. It says, But some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it have pleased him to every seed his own body all flesh is not the same flesh but there is one kind of flesh of men another of beast another of fishes and another of birds there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another there was one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars for one star differ from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. 
It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written. The first Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So this here in verse 45, I read from 35 to 45. In verse 45, when it speaks about the first Adam, that is the man being formed in flesh. That's in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, The Lord God formed man from out the dust of the ground. Now, the, the narrative is that on the sixth day, God made man, right? And we kind of broke that down in how the creation in Genesis chapter 1, a man in creation chapter 1, 29, I believe, and the formation of Adam are two different beings. But nonetheless, to keep in line, it's understood in Christianity that the sixth day, according to the Christian concept, man was formed on the sixth day of the week. So that would be your Friday, right? On Friday, man departed out of flesh. That's your good Friday where it speaks about the creation, um, the crucifixion. But again, keep in mind, this is all symbolic. So I want to give you that correlation. Now, here's where the Bible mystery, pun intended, is revealed. So let me read further on into Bible mysteries revealed. It says, Christ comes forth when we realize we are one with the Father, the same as light is one with electricity. The light is an electric globe is the identical light that comes from the powerhouse. The light in the electric globe is not separated from the electric in the powerhouse. The farther light, they are both one and the same. In the same way, each one of us is Christ. I'll read that part about the light again. Then I'll go into the circle seven, and then I'm going to speak something about electricity. Because this is going to all tie back. This is all, all connect. It says the light in the electric globe is the identical light that comes from the powerhouse. The light in the electric globe is not separated from the electricity in the powerhouse. The farther light. They are both one and the same. In the same way, each one of us is Christ. Now, I just read in chapter one of the circle seven, where it says man is not the body, but man himself is not the body, nor the soul. He is a spirit and a part of Allah. Now, let's go back to chapter one, where we're going to kind of hammer on that point. Okay. Then we're going to go into 
chapter 2. So, what I will do is read the last paragraph of chapter 1. It says, man cannot die. The spirit man is one with Allah. And while Allah lives, man cannot die. When man has conquered every foe upon the plane of soul, the sea will have full opened out and will have unfolded in the holy breath. The garb of soul will then have served its purpose well, and man will need it nevermore, and it will pass and be no more, and man will then attain unto the blessedness of perfectness and at one with Allah. Now, from here, I will go to chapter 2, starting with verse 16. We call these sons revealers of the light, but they must have the light before they can reveal the light. You must teach your sons and set their souls on fire with love and holy zeal and make them conscious of their missions to the sons of men. Teach them that Allah and man are one, but that through carnal thoughts and words and deeds, man tore himself away from Allah, debased himself. Teach that the holy breath would make them one again, restoring harmony and peace. Now from there, now that was verse 19. Let me go down here to verse 25. Let me jump. This age will comprehend but little of the works of purity and love, but not a word is lost. For in the book of Allah's remembrance, a registry is made of every thought and word and deed. And when the world is ready to receive lo, Allah will send a messenger to open the book and copy from his sacred pages all the messages of purity and love then every man of earth will read the words of life in language of his native land and men will see the light and walk in the light and be the light and man again will be at one with Allah this is very important so Why is this important? Remember, in chapter 17 of the Circle 7, when I initially read, started reading from the Circle 7 in this episode, I made a very important point. So to remind of that point, I'm going to read it again. It says, in flesh of man, there is the essence of the resurrection of the dead. This essence, quickened by the holy breath, will raise the substance of the body to higher tone. Now, before I get into a a demonstration or an explanation of what that means from a metaphysical standpoint know that I want this to be clear and this is not 
And I say this because I just it's it's a statement of what I've witnessed. A lot of times, many spiritual readings, including this, Circle Seven, Holy Quran, the More Science Temple of America, Holy Quran, the uh, More Holy Temple of Science, the Bible, the Quran of Mecca, many many different spiritual readings are read and is read from a perspective of of um, uh, how should I put it in the context of it being good sounding words but nothing applicable even now you may be listening to me and you hear okay well okay that sounds deep you know oh that's interesting yeah he's talking about the different flesh and this flesh and that flesh and and the light and the celestial you know and for a person who's more scientific be oh that's a bunch of hoopla it's a nonsense that's foolishness you know it's it's goofy you know and and to a degree you would understand or comprehend why they would say that because very seldom even within the Moorish movement is practical applications introduced to the student pertaining to these precepts because these are precepts Um, these are keys to open but you know it may make you think on a higher level, but how do you take those thoughts and actually um, manifest from the plane of manifest, right? From the higher planes to the lower plane. How do you how do you apply it where it works to you in real time, in real life, while you're in this body of manifest? You know, because there are other societies that are doing, other groups of people that are doing. It. So, and I want to. You know, I constantly give honors to this man, but I do have to definitely uh, give special honors to um, one of my teachers, um, Sheikh Brother uh, Corbett Bay, Dwight Corbett Bay, who teaches uh, is really a holistic system. It's not just martial arts, but it's a holistic system called Sato, um, which includes you know aspects of Qigong. Muay Thai and other um, other um, arts and modalities, but uh, he got me um, really into the study of the chi, and I already was on it. I was aware of it. Like I had practiced Tai Chi, man, back in the nineties. To be honest, but I wasn't. I wasn't as uh, rigid with the training. So, you know, I was somewhat lackadaisical. I would would practice, but um, he kind of really rekindled that fire in me. And there's a book, right? This is for all of my scientific people out there. You know, it's called Left Brain Thinkers. There's a book. Um, written by 
a man named Dr. Robert Becker. Since people, when we talk about cheese, some people dismiss it as being um, just spooky, you know, not confirmed, you know, just like chakras and all that stuff. Oh, it's, you know, that's a bunch of hoopla. Like I said, nonsense. There's a book written by Dr. Becker, and I was uh, encourage everybody to get that book if you can. It's called The Body Electric, right? So basically, what is basically explaining is chi, right? So you have to understand that people in the ancient times, they knew these sciences, but they didn't know it from the same aspect of measuring it like um, Western society measures things. Meaning, for example, we'll use medicine, right? Of course, our ancient ancestors, they know how to heal themselves using herbs and things of that nature. You just knew, okay, you take this, it will cure this, this will heal this, etc. You just knew that. You just knew that. And when I say just knew that, I'm not I'm not saying they were born with the knowledge. They cultivated that knowledge. They didn't go into the aspects, oh, well, this chemical within this plant is the active ingredient that helps uh, with your metabolism, blah, blah, blah. They didn't go break it down like that. They just knew that if you take certain herbs... If you eat certain things, if you do certain things at certain times, your body will feel better. It was just that simple. They didn't overcomplicate it. And there's nothing wrong with the, the, the intricacies and the specifics of science. But I'm giving that context to let you know. So now we're in a, in a day and time where everything is, you know, it got to be facts. It's, you know, you need receipts and things of that nature. So... That brings me to this book. So, Dr. Becker, uh, he wrote a very important book in this field uh, pertaining to bioelectricity. So, he basically did a lot of research concerning the body's electric field. So, it's presently believed that food and air are the fuel that generates the electricity in the body through biochemical reaction. Now, for those of you who are familiar with the late great Dr. Sebi, he also, if you look up his work, he will tell you that food is electric. You know, your body is a generator. You know, he spoke about that. He didn't get into chi, you know, because that wasn't his thing. But when you... If you have, if you're a student, a practitioner of the teachings of Sebi, and you read this book, The Body Electric, then you'll have a better understanding of Chi if you don't, if you didn't before, because that's basically what he's talking about. Your body has an electromagnetic field around you. That's called the aura. Some people's aura are the average of three feet, three to four feet. You can expand your aura further out. 
is ways to do that. Catch what I'm saying? You build up electricity, you know. Um, it just reminded me of that that um, show, Black Lightning. It was kind of funny. It was entertaining, but it, it was just... Some of that stuff was... It was just too much. But it was entertaining. I had to say that was an interesting show. But um, But my point of it is, is that this electricity is circulated throughout the entire body through electrically conductive tissue. And it's one of the main energy sources which keeps the cell in the body alive. Now, remember, I spoke about um, carnal form to form divine, human flesh to flesh divine, right? In Qigong, they have a practice of dealing with um, bone marrow cleansing, which was taught by uh, a melanated martial artist known as Damu, who taught the Shaolin monks. He is a teacher of martial arts to the Shaolin monks. So he knew how to channel this chi, this energy to, you know, to cleanse your bones. Now, why is this all important and why am I even saying this? Because anyone who knows anything about Tai Chi, Qigong, and all these other practices of the likes knows that the primary discipline involved in developing and channeling and strengthening your chi or your key is your breathing thus holy breath right what did I say about the holy breath you know First the question, what what can you um uh, what do you have to say about the Holy Breath? All we can say it is great, good, it was, it is, and never more to be. But what did I say earlier about that holy breath that was mentioned in chapter 17? I said that the essence is quickened by the holy breath and will raise the substance of the body to a higher tone, a higher vibration. Keep in mind in chapter one, where it speaks about um, the different planes of manifest, it speaks about the rhythm and the vibration. For example, it says the plane of the soul is what the ethos of the spirit plane vibrating not so fast. Tone is vibration. Always remember that. Tone, sound, notes of vibration. All notes are frequencies of vibration. Some are higher, some are lower. Some are faster, some are slower. And, the, and in the rhythm of this plane, the essence of life are manifest, right? So with every frequency of vibration on the planes, there's a manifestation of some form. So in your ability to see within that spectrum. So there's sounds that exist that you can't hear because it's outside of your spectrum of sound waves. There are forms of light infrared ultraviolet and beyond that you can't see if your spectrum of light is only within you know the realms of Roy G. Biv the the color spectrum right that human beings know but as you develop yourself 
you can see beyond that limited scope, raising your body to a higher tone, raising your perception to a, um, a wider scale. So, for example, now, whenever you have an injury or you're sick, the body's electrical circulation is affected. So, if the, so your body is basically a generator. If the circulation of electricity stops in your body, you will die. The bioelectric energy not only maintains life, it is also responsible for repairing physical damage. It can renew you, right? Many researchers had sought ways of using external electrical and magnetic fields to speed up the body's recovery from a physical injury, right? For example, there was a, a report at the, um, at the, uh, at a university in California where they did studies in 16 countries with over a thousand patients and they used low frequency, low intensity magnetic energy and found it to be successful in treating chronic pain, right? They even have something called light therapy, which is electricity, right? Um, um, shout out to the brother, um, I think his name, a taser, Lee Ill, out there in Georgia, you know, who does his thing with the light therapy. Um, so this is real, you know, this is definitely real. Um, we commonly see paintings and images of Jesus, Buddha, and other deities, and they have this um, halo that appears around the head. That's a real thing. You know, you can develop a halo when you reach a certain high level of development particularly during meditation you know so I want to put this just in the context about raising the body to higher tone in the different types of body so at that point it's no longer the same body it's a new body you are killing off the old and giving birth to the new you know Um, I mentioned in my book how many days in the circle on page 108 about chronobiology, which is a type of biology which inspects cyclic phenomena in life forms and their adjustment to the solar and lunar related rhythms. These rhythms are known as biological rhythms or biorhythms. So chronobiology that comes from chronos, which is time, Greek, and biology, right? Bio living. So the point of what I'm making is that um, and you have what's called the um, the circumceptin rhythm, which is a circa circle septin as seven. So that's a cycle composing of seven days in which many of the biological developments of life are resolved. You catch what I'm saying? So now that brings a whole new meaning to the circle seven and the symbol of Christ being the circle seven, 
right? Representative of the Circle 7. So I just want to put that in context and just also put in context about what this means for us. This concept of raising the body to higher tone and transforming oneself from human flesh to flesh divine is not something that just starts when you physically die. It actually starts before, which is why it is said in um, in the circle seven that it said that Jesus said, I'm here to show the possibilities of man. The possibilities of man that is possible. Not necessarily that everyone's going to do it or do it in the time that they need to be. Now, there's no failure for the human soul, but it may take you longer. But there are many cases of people who are always already doing this practices. They're living longer. They're living healthier while they're living longer. They're able to do things that the average human cannot do, not just spiritually, but also physically, because they understand that everything is energy. And being able to tap into that cosmic energy is important, right? So, you know, all energy in the universe comes from that single source, you know, that causes cause and rootless root from which all things are grown. Some people call it God. Now, we may not be able to comprehend it to the fullest, but it exists. Okay. And it also deals with the three. Now, I'm going to go here real quick. So, in Christianity, they have the Trinity. The Rosicrucians have three sides of the triangle, and the triangle becomes the symbol of the pyramid. Right? They said the Hindus say that the primary primary energy was first divided into three different energies, and then in the seven. That's the triune triune deity, seven created spirits. The Sephirah is ten. That's three and seven. Gives you ten. It all adds up. There are no happenings. Law governs all events. Until next time, peace and love.